welcome back to another uh, Fairly Inkwell podcast. Uh, so this one is not going to be a pitch. This is going to be a discussion. Uh, like, and I think it, it it's something that needs to be discussed because we we recently saw Thor: Love and Thunder, mm. and the opening was great with the dude dying and his daughter. You know, like the the gods didn't care, and so he died. Like. And then he finds the the black sword and he becomes the god killer. From that point on, the movie shifts focus to Thor and all his buddies. And you almost forget the villain. Mm-hmm. Like, until way further in. And then he shows up as this just insane kind of Joker-like character with this sword. And he can summon beasts out of the shadows and do all this other weird stuff. Um, but my biggest beef with that character... It was acted well, but I couldn't connect with the insanity side of it. Mm. Because for me personally, if I were dying in a desert with my daughter and I was pleading to the gods, my first and foremost two emotions would be anger and sadness. I would like, and I know that they said that the sword was cursed and whatever. We don't get a feel for that. We don't know anything about the sword. We only have his performance on screen to go by. And so... Like, for me, I felt like it could have been a really good villain, but it was deficient in its character development because I I didn't feel the connection to the drive behind it. Like, I felt no anger and no sadness from him as I would have expected. Like, and they, they didn't define the curse. Maybe the curse was eating away at his sanity or whatever. If they had said that, that you know, that would have made sense, but they never mention it. We don't know anything about the sword. We don't know what it can do, what, like, and so the, the portrayal of him just being Joker, Mm. essentially, Mm -hmm. and laughing and going through all these manic and moods, like up until the end where, you know, where he kind of comes back to sanity. It's just like, that felt wrong to me as, and as a character, I feel like they could have done a significantly better job if they had, gotten rid of some of the stupid jokes and focused on more character development for the villain because he wasn't even a real adversary for Thor. Like they only fight a couple of times. Like, Mm -hmm. and so it's, you know, it never seems weighty. It never seems important that they're fighting. And so I just wanted to like throw this out there that if you're going to write a villain, give them, Connect them to the audience like you would with the protagonist. But we're also like, because the audience wants somebody to boo against, even if you can identify with them. Like they want somebody to hate that mm-hmm. the protagonist can overcome. And for me, when, when Thor and Thor triumphs, but not even through his own actions, like he triumphs because he gives all these little kids powers and then it's all this funniness going on and oh, yeah. it's silly. And there, you know, the, the ending door to the final level is time gated, which is just stupid. It's like none of that felt weighty or important. Yeah. And I feel like it's a real missed opportunity for a character whose goal is to destroy the gods. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, that seems important. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, like Gore did not, he, he was not a well-developed person in that story. In fact, I mean, for the most part, he added a little bit of pressure to the story, but he, or tension, I should say, but he didn't really bring that much to it because 
there were so many other things that were involved that were that were character based from Thor's perspective, leaving the Guardians of the Galaxy and finding out that the, his ex girlfriend and really the love of his life is dying of cancer and stuff. That was kind of the that was a real story. I guess they just decided they couldn't make cancer the bad guy of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know what? Contrast that to my favorite Marvel movie. And I've seen every Marvel movie for everybody who's wanting to watch. <laughs> I have a massive real comic book collection that is huge. And uh, so, you know, come at me anyway. Um, so, but my favorite Marvel movie is Black Panther. And the reason it's my favorite Marvel movie is because of the bad guy, uh, Killmonger. And his character development in that movie was phenomenal. It was phenomenally written. It was phenomenally acted. It was uh, amazing because by the end of the movie, me as a viewer, I want to side with a superhero. But I was split between siding with the hero and siding with Killmonger based on Killmonger's reasons for all of his actions in the movie. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. He... Um, it was it was it was a story of injustice right. on him and uh, and his family and his position in the world. And granted, he went on to he took it as a child, uh, like a lot of injustice happened to him as a child. I don't know if you've seen it or not. And um, he uh, uh, took that into the world and became a very professional bad guy. Right. He was uh, he was extremely professional. And he was extremely good at being a bad guy. But when he, uh, you know, went up against Black Panther, they were fairly evenly matched. Um, and and well, his, they, his motivations for it at the end, like at the end of the movie, I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it. But at the end of the movie, uh, you're left almost feeling like you're – well, you are definitely feeling something for the villain. And I think that was a representation of what you were – what you want to see, right. you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, it's funny that you mentioned Black Panther because I have seen that one, but I don't remember Killmonger's character at all. Oh, really? <laughs> all I remember is that at the end he gets a, another Black Panther suit and they go at it in this ridiculous display of CG fighting. That's <laughs> yeah. Like, but I don't remember. But I, you know, I don't tend to watch movies for the character development. Mm. But with Thor: Love and Thunder, I was so put off by the, the, the just the. They, they almost didn't even seem to take themselves seriously. And it just, it felt like there was like no plot. They were just focusing on weak jokes to get this, a, a plot that could have been told in a half an hour. Um, they were just trying to extend that into a full length movie. Oh yeah. And, and you know what? I will say that I love Chris Hemsworth and I love Thor and I love Chris Hemsworth playing Thor, <laughs> but it does feel like now that, Thor's personality has become more just Chris Hemsworth personality. Like it's not really Thor anymore. It's just Chris Hemsworth carrying Mjolnir around. Right. And I think that, that the movie was written as a vehicle for that. Right. Let's take, let's take Chris Hemsworth, his comedic delivery, his natural snarkiness and stuff and, and, and drop that into a movie. Plus dude got in incredible shape for it. More than, like, <laughs> I don't know, eight entire chickens for right. meals, I guess. And, um, like, give me your chickens and all your chicken babies. And, like, you know, and I think that's what must have happened. And, uh, but he was phenomenal in, in shape and that they really wanted to showcase right, that. Right. So, 
yeah, I think that was the point of the movie. Like, you're right. Like, they had the villain in there because you have to have a villain in a superhero movie. Otherwise, you get She-Hulk. <laughs> I haven't um, seen that one yet. I, I, I want to love She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk in the comics. I really want to love the TV show, but the TV show was very obviously not written for me. It was written for more of a different audience, younger, you know, younger audience, uh, probably younger. They're probably skewing a little bit more female, you know, in, in, in what they were going after. And, and that's okay. Not everything has to be written for me. I'm okay with that. What you are know? you? Re- no, absolutely. <laughs> Gilmore, Gilmore girls also was not written for me. You know? Like I gave it a shot and could not get into it. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, and, well, that does bring up a good point that not every movie is, is written for the individual. It's written mm. for a mass audience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the same has to hold true with any successful book. I mean, you could write a book and <coughs> then your brother reads it and says, wow, that's an amazing book. And then nobody else reads it or likes it. It's like, <laughs> well, so you spent all that time and effort to get one fan. And it's yeah. like, while a yeah. noble pursuit, it's mm-hmm. pre- you know, it depends on what you're writing for. If you're writing for yourself, that's fine. Um, if you are trying to be successful, you have to hit an audience and, that means you have to give up certain controls. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it means you have to give up all of them. Because I feel like had they focused on Gore's character and said, that, like they could have even exposited the story of the sword and said there's this, a legend of this sword that does this and that and that the God Slayer is, killing, is using it, but it drives them insane or it uh, corrupts their flesh or some, you know, something, something, give mm-hmm. us something. And then give the, you know, the guy that becomes the villain, give him the sword at mm-hmm. that point. And also tell us why the sword is sitting at the feet of that other god. Yeah. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So, from and then from that point on, remind us of his loss mm-hmm. throughout. Like, as he's going through and, and as he's fighting against Thor, like maybe he shows up at Thor in Asgard and starts terrorizing Asgard until... like. You know, actually, he does later in the movie, doesn't mm. he? But it's oh. just... Yeah, but it's Asgard on Earth, you know? Yeah, but it's also They've like... They've got a Starbucks now. I feel like he could have shown up a couple of times when he was in his learning phase of t- learning to be the God Slayer mm. uh, or the God Butcher. And and then that, you know, Thor and, Thor and his buddies chase him off up until the final fight and then make it weighty, make it between a god, Thor, and the god Butcher, Gore. Like, mm-hmm. and and don't include anybody else because oh. that's not the fight. Or go the opposite way. Where, give him followers. Like, where he's he's seen as a god from people who are godless or something, you know, like. True. Like, that would have actually been good. We, I, I do feel like we couldn't identify with him as a character because – Nobody even in the movie identified with him right. as a character. Right. Nobody thought he was doing the right thing. And nobody knew of his loss. Yeah. Like his story was only known to the audience and that's not any of the characters in the movie. So yeah. like. That's not a good character development. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think one of the reasons Star Wars did so good is because of the villains. Like Darth Vader and mm. the Emperor are two of the greatest villains I've seen on film recently. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Darth Vader is terrifying. And yeah. the, the like the breathing apparatus, like, and then Palpatine, who's just old, sitting on his <laughs> throne in that black robe. Yeah, you know, we're not talking about the the 
the other three movies. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the other f- further movies. The further on. We're talking about the real Star Wars movies. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> That's right. Episodes four, five, and six. <laughs> yeah. Like, they introduced you to this villain. And, and even when Luke goes up against his father, like, even before he knows he's his father, like, it's... It's weighty. It's a fight that you remember. And mm-hmm. and then after the fight, you do find out that he's his father. And that's like one of the most momentous points in any of the movies. Yeah. Like, I mean, they tried to make it very momentous when Palpatine, like, gets the, the wrinkly butt face look. But <laughs> that just looked comical, like, in, yeah. because it was just done poorly. And and plus, they had it... They, the original way that we saw him in, in the return of the Jedi where you're right, he was sitting on the throne. He was this old wrinkly dude that was sitting on the throne. Right. We always feared Darth Vader because that you're right. He's like 18 feet tall. He's dressed in black in a cape he with will, a helmet, like a skull. You make one mistake. You didn't mop the floor, right? You're going to get force choked. You know? <laughs> um, so we were, you know, we were always cautious about him. But Darth Vader was scared of, of the, emperor. the emperor. He had real fear for the emperor, and so that made the emperor even scarier. Right. And, and then when the emperor yeah. starts shooting lightning out of his thing fingers, yes. it's like holy crap! Like he doesn't need a, a laser sword. He doesn't need a gun. He can just shoot lightning out of his fingers. I mean, yeah. it was a little amusing that Darth Vader could withstand it a little bit, but it made sense because they're both dark side users. Like, yeah, and Darth Vader was like seventy percent droid at that and point. Luke couldn't withstand it. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, Luke got zapped and was on the floor. Yep. And so, like, had Darth Vader not changed his mind, the Emperor would have killed Luke. Mm-hmm. And that was a very weighty thing. But we never got that with Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the villains of of modern superhero type and, and really like really far out there movies. Like the villains are getting weaker. You know what? You're right. And I mean, it, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Because like we've seen these heroes who by the end of the movie, you feel like, Oh, they can do anything, but that carries over into the next movie where they start off can do anything. And so there's very little tension, right? very little stress in the, in those there's movies. There's no growth. There's no learning. Mm-mm. Yeah. There's no failure. That's right. They've learned everything up to that. Uh, they already need to know. They, you're right. They're not it's, learning it's anything. It's like an now. anime. It's like, yeah. given your suspension of disbelief, this guy can summon a big toad and this guy can throw moons at people mm-hmm. and then fight. And, and nah, that's boring. I know it is now. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I did see what they were trying to do with Eternals and they were trying to go off in a different direction with Eternals. But even then, we got this massive kind of planet-sized, you know, space gods uh, that changed things on Earth, theoretically, that don't show up again. You know, like there's a massive eternal – or I'm sorry, celestial – dead celestial coming out of the ice somewhere on Earth. Nobody's talking about it. Right. So well, and the, and the villains in that were the deviants. Yeah. And again, they were not described well. There was no tension in mm-hmm. the fights. We didn't understand their capabilities or their danger to our our beloved characters. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They were just they were like robots. They were programmed yeah. to fight. Them. I mean, yeah. and then eventually we saw that the one you know the one guy could suck out your powers, and it's like that's dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. Let's have that happen a little more often, but no, it only happened like once. Yeah. Twice maybe. And then, you know, and then 
Yeah. So going back to a good villain though, like one of my <laughs> favorite villains has got to be out of the fifth element. Um, oh yeah. Gary Oldman's character. Oh, I can't yeah. remember his name. I, I can't. It was something either. really, it was something stupid, yes. but he like, he was portrayed well because you see him as a ruthless biz- businessman at the very beginning. And he's got, he's selling guns to the, the ugly orc looking dudes. Mm-hmm. And then he is further portrayed as a monster when the protagonist meets, one of the protagonists meets him in his office because he's got all these horrendous artifacts on the walls and he's, he's a jerk. And then at the very end, he's just like, okay, I'm fed up with all my lackeys. I'm going to go do this. And he takes his own gun and goes after what he's after mm-hmm. on his own until he, you know, until he just messes it up, which, you know, as a plot device, it's not that great, mm-hmm. but it is funny in that, in that situation. Yep. I would agree with that. And so, I think that was, that was a, he was an excellent villain for an excellent movie. Well, and you understood his, his motivations very clearly. Like when he's communicating with the darkness, mm-hmm. he wants money because mm-hmm. he's just like, my costs have tripled. And then you see that he's struggling even with that enemy. Like it's causing him some physical discomfort and weirdness. Like, so, you know, you're, you're clued into what's happening better oh, than in other instances. You know what's also like a just a classic super awesome villain is Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Um can't say I, I've seen it but I can't remember it. So. Oh man, he is such a good villain because he knows exactly what he is and why he's there and he's very coordinated, very calculating, very professional and it's almost a twist in the movie. I'm going to ruin it because, like, it's if you haven't movie. seen Die Hard by now, <laughs> stop listening to us and, and go, go watch Die Hard. <laughs> so anyway. It's not a Christmas movie either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, half, of, half of America is getting ready to fight. So, um, But Hans Gruber, like, they come off as a terrorist attack in the very beginning of the movie, and that's what everybody thinks it is. But then the twist in the middle is that it's not. It's really just a robbery. It's really just... They're trying to rob the vault that's in the building. And that's what it's really about is money. And, but he knows it the entire time. And then when you, to go back and rewatch that movie and, and, and see him act it that, or see it acted out that way, you suddenly see, yes, he really, like that twist, you were not led down a road. Right. Like you made assumptions based on what you saw that, that this was a terrorist attack. The, the, the viewer does. But it's never explained to you that it is. And when it's revealed that it's really just a robbery, uh, you're like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that makes total sense to me. I understand this person's motivation. I understand that they're acting within the rules of their own universe, their own capabilities. They're not doing magical things that, you know, like I can dodge bullets. No, you can't dodge bullets. You know, it's just – it's, it's so they're just, just being a, a terrible person yeah. because they know they're a terrible person. Because they just want some money and the money is in that vault and that's right, all they want. Right. You know? <laughs> well, and, you know, that brings up an interesting point too. Your villain doesn't always have to know they're a villain, mm-hmm. like, but some of the better villains do know what they're doing and know like that they understand the way the world perceives them and they don't agree with the rest of the world. Yep. There are muggers in real, in real life. There are muggers who think that, okay, I'm robbing somebody because I need to eat. And this person looks like they can afford to give up some money, right? Right. To be who, robbed. So they don't necessarily think they're a bad guy. But then you've also got Jack the Ripper 
who very much knew he was the villain and wrote letters about it. Like I am the villain, you know? Right. So, uh, so yeah, you've got two sides to that. You can, you can do both, you know, there's, there's something in there for both. I just think what, what you can't do, what doesn't work is you give your audience a villain that that they just don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know why the villain's dangerous or why they should care. You know, like we get that Gore's daughter died, but that's really the only injustice we saw. So maybe they could have, said like his whole village died and then his daughter died and then his wife died and then like and then he almost died or whatever like you know give us some more motivation even if it's i don't know you know that's a very interesting thing same actor american psycho excellent villain because he's the main focus of the story there's not a good guy out there fighting against him he is just all the villain story same actor mm-hmm. but the uh uh like the the motivations for him, he totally understands he is a villain, and he and he aspires to be a better villain throughout the story. Interesting. I've not seen that one. So. Okay, it's 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 worth a watch. I know of it. It's worth. A, oh, you know what? Don't watch it. You you don't like it. You wouldn't like it. It's gory. It's very gory. It's like he at one point he hits a guy in the head with a with a an axe. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just like man, there's plastic on the ground, but you know, right, <laughs> so. <right>. Um, <laughs> But he is listening to Huey Lewis and the news when he does it. So he's got a little style. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, but yeah, I agree with that. Like, you know, uh, give your villain some depth and, and make him understandable and well, at least reliable, you know? Right. And, and I mean, I guess that kind of makes me think of Thanos because Thanos, like, again, I we don't really know the depth of his power per mm-hmm. se. We just know that he's the mad Titan and he, he has the power to wield the gauntlet, the infinity gauntlet, mm-hmm. but they develop his character a little further over several movies. And, and so we get that his planet was overpopulated. We understand his motivations for doing what he's doing. We don't want it to happen because, you know, we don't want our friends and loved ones to go away, but uh, we get, we get his motivations at least. And so that made him a better villain. But again, it's just like, it seemed like he, because his limits were never defined, he was essentially all powerful. And it's like, who cares? Who cares how strong he is? He can throw moons and stuff. And, (laughs) and yet like Spider-Man is even a match for him. And it's Mm. like, "Eh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, there's got to be a power scale. Like, I understand Spider-Man was, yeah. you know, enhanced and all this. But if if the guy can wield infinity stones and throw moons down at you, you're, like, not going to stand a chance against him. Nope, like, not even as a team of five people that are special. Like, you <laughs> kind of need more gods or something of equivalent power that, that the audience understands is equivalent mm-hmm. in order to fight. And you have to build that equivalence or you have to work with what people already know. I know. That would be like a drunk six-year-old trying to fight Michael Tyson. <laughs> it just wouldn't – that wouldn't be a very pretty picture. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, it depends. <laughs> So, but anyway, so that's, that's kind of my rant about that movie. Like I wanted to like the villain because it was kind of a neat idea. Like this guy that's embracing the darkness, but he was just not developed. Like mm-hmm. what he did is he lost his daughter. He got a, he got a sword and then he kidnapped a bunch of kids and he didn't, you know, like nothing happened. 
Yeah, he didn't do a great job at any of it, did he? Yeah. It's like, yeah. And I mean, he went to the black and white place, which why, who cares? Yeah. Why do we care? Like, I understand there's a wish at the center of the universe. That's great. Tell us about the gates that you have to go through to get there. Like in the freaking never ending story, you have to pass through the, the sphinxes and then the mirror and then the other thing. Like you have yeah. to go through the development process to earn your power, to earn your, you have you to know. be tested. Yeah. And you have to overcome those challenges. So anyway. That's that's a rant on villains. <laughs> um, if any of you out there have any thoughts about uh, or anything to add or, you know, any hate comments, uh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll defend ourselves. And remember, maybe. you can you can you can email those to us at faretheinkwell at outlook dot com. So until until the next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>